Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I have with me someone that's going to make you laugh for the next 30 plus minutes, my friend from high school, Leslie Roby Marvin. And I just want to welcome you. You guys are going to be in for such a special treat. So hello, Leslie. Hello. <laughs> I had originally intended on going to California. She's she's out in Hidden Hills, right? Or Hidden? Yes, yeah. Hidden Hills. Yeah. You know, where are the Kardashians are. We weren't able to make that happen because February is a popular month for everybody to come down to Florida. So I have a lot of company coming in, but I, you will see Leslie again because I will go to California. I'm going to see her in person and have a tour uh, and she's going to give me all the scoop in LA. So that's going to be very, very fun. One of the things I want to address right off the get-go is something we talked about before we went live, which is the reason I'm doing the podcast and something that I'm just taking a new risk on later in life. And you said, well, but my life isn't that interesting because I'm just a mom, which is a horrible thing to say because that is the best job <laughs> known to America. But when you hear what I want to share and shine your light on, you will not look at her that way. And I find her fascinating. She's hilarious. So it's interesting that we say these things to ourselves because I started to get choked up and I was like, well, Leslie, the reason why I'm doing this is I say to my son all the time, like I have nothing in my life except I was a software rep for over 20 some years and I did pharmaceutical. And like, how boring is that? And I just was, you know, on the trauma train for so long in the fight or flight mode, doing what everyone else wanted me to do that I'm doing this to kind of reinvent myself. And you share this philosophy of your friend who's writing a book. You don't just say, I'm going to try, you do it. And I love that analogy because you need to say the same thing about yourself. I have done all these things. And my name is Leslie, right? So we're going to get into it. <laughs> Sorry for that long introduction, but we have to hype each other up because that's part of we, this whole thing of you're like, absolutely right. you know, we're, we're reflecting in our fifties and we have done a lot of living and wait a minute. I'm in my thirties. Are you, <laughs> well, you do look super good. Leslie is someone that you can be on the phone with, at least for me. And two hours goes by and you just don't even have enough and you haven't even scratched the surface. So let's start with, um, how you got to LA because that whole thing that you did and took a risk on was such a cool story that I didn't even know about. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about how you got to LA and then what you did with the, the comedy and everything. Well, okay. So I, I came to Los Angeles. Um, my mother moved here a few weeks before me okay. and this was her dream, but my dream was to perform 
I graduated in 85 and I came here in like September and then I ended up going to a community college and then I went to university. I did some stand up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she says these things like it's just, yeah, uh, tell, tell him how far you got, like what you did. It's no. amazing. <laughs> I, I, I did some stand up and then I did uh, the Groundlings are out here, which is an improv group. And I worked with them and, and we would see the show, you know, like you would move your way up through the classes and you'd see the shows and there was, you know, Will Ferrell and mm -hmm. then uh, <laughs> Mike Myers was there and, and Jennifer Coolidge. And it was like every night, but you oh know, they weren't, God. yeah, they were very cool, but you know, it was, it was a group, you know, that I would watch, I'd watch backstage or I'd watch, you know, when you get tickets, uh, you know, student tickets in the audience and and they were great. And then and then one of my teachers, this is kind of funny, her name was Maggie Baird. And I hadn't thought of her in years. And I was listening to a podcast recently with um Will Farrell, and he's talking about Maggie Baird. And I was like, Maggie, I loved her. So I go to look her up and it says, you know, related people, who else you could look up? And it said Billie Eilish. And I was like, How how does she know who Billie Eilish is? She's her mother. And I'm like, oh, so that's what Maggie Baird is doing these days. I mean, and you mentioned these names like they're not famous. They are Uber and you were competing with them to some degree, right? Didn't you go in a competition all the way to? I went to the to the end, to the writing, and then they dropped me. But Okay, but you got Lisa there. Kudrow got dropped the same time. Like, you know, I she mean, was... I would be telling that story to anyone. I think that's so cool. Well, and then, and then I, um, I met my husband mm -hmm. and we got married. And then in four years, I had four sons. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you had a set of, you have twins. I have twins at the end. I was, I think I was 35 when I had them. Mm -hmm. And every year after like 35, you start dropping more eggs in preparation for menopause. And I'm a woman and I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so everything that's starts dropping at 35. Everything, <laughs> everything's dropping. Uh, but I have a doctor for that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You know, the career didn't happen, but I, you know, I raised four awesome kids and I love them all. Did you take classes on how to, was that part of the whole thing, how to craft and write a set and, and yeah. work your way up from like 10 minutes to 30 minutes and all of that? And yeah, I, I did. <laughs> okay. I'm fascinated and by it. I mean, I'm, I'm hilarious at dinner parties, but I could never, I think it's the <laughs> hardest thing to do to like, just remember and have 30 minutes of laughter. I, I don't know if I could do it. Well, and you don't always. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go up there and, you know, I was doing some of my Jewish sticks with the getting locks in your teeth and what, I don't know. Oh, I, right. It doesn't matter. And then, and, and one time I remember I said something about that. I dated a rabbi's son and he went, oi, 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 vey. And I was like, that was not an oi, vey. That was oi. So, but that doesn't always translate. Right, right. To the audience that you're with, because, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, what the hell? I don't even right. know what that means. Right. So, and imagine now, I mean, I would, I, I think it's even harder for comics in this light too, because uh, you can get canceled in no time, you know? Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, this was in the days before, you know, before the internet, before you yeah. could tape everybody with your cell phone. And yeah. I think that's very a, cool. And, and that's why I, I, I laugh when you're like, I just haven't done anything. I'm like, first of all, the first story you told me is that you, you did all of that in LA. I, I, I just would, I would be so afraid of my own shadow. So that's an incredible thing that you did. <laughs> And then being a parent is obviously the best role known to mankind and to do it as well as you have done. I'm sure there's lessons learned, but with four boys in LA, combating like your Midwest roots, right? You're in an environment where anything is possible, right? In fact, I think that my Midwest roots helped me a lot because, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, consumption and, and who has more and who, yes. you know, who has the bigger house, the bigger this, the big, and I, I just don't feel like I, I never wanted that to be a part of, you know, it's, it's just different. You know, the way we grew up in Michigan, mm-hmm. we all went to the same high school. We all had about the same and I loved that way of life. In fact, my oldest son ended up going to college at Michigan state mm-hmm. and to this day, he is rooming with his Michigan State roommates. They're in Texas now. Mm-hmm. And he just, he really liked the values of the Midwest. And his girlfriend is from Michigan. <laughs> this happened. <laughs> no, I love it. And I talk to people about how we grew up because we were in an area that was, you know, affluent in that we we had great education, good opportunities. A lot of people were in C-level positions meaning the parents. But the weird thing was that those kids who, who you know, maybe had more, and I bring up the story of like at the time, you know, I was friends with Leah Coca's daughter. Oh. She worked. Like she went to Marion and she worked. And there's there was a lot of that even coming from the people whose family had everything. They too were like, this is what you're going to do. You know, you're going to babysit or you're going to work here. And so that's why I really didn't know a big difference of, of um, class, you know, because yeah. we were all working together or we were all enjoying the same things together. And, and I remember following you, I think it was when I said like 2011, when you did get the house there and you, you know, you had chickens in your backyard and everything else. And I was like, okay, she's, She's in this area where she can literally see the Kardashians and she's got a chicken coop. And, and I just loved that. I thought it was okay. Yeah. This woman is definitely hasn't fallen in the traps of LA. You know what I mean? It was great. Well, okay. So yeah, I, I've got them. I've got them on every side of me. But because yes. <laughs> yes. there's a lot of them in this neighborhood. This is a very rural neighborhood. They don't really show that on, you know, I don't know. I don't watch the show, the keeping up or whatever. Right. But well, you don't have to, you can just look out your window. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sorry. But, but this is a, an equestrian community. So in the neighborhood, yeah, we have a lot of the houses have horses. Okay. And many houses have chickens. I'm, I'm not the first inventor of the chickens with the, in the I didn't know there was that much uh, property on the, on each. There lot. are equestrian trails through the entire neighborhood. Do you have horses? No, but I appreciate them. Oh. <laughs> and there's somebody that has a cow and there's somebody, she recently died. She had uh, an alpaca and you know, we have hmm. 
We have critters here. Somebody has a turkey. And that was Scott Foley. Scott Foley used to live here and he had a big old pet turkey and pigs. My friend has a pig named Prosciutto. I mean, the names that you have dropped since we have, we've been communicating and the, pic- <laughs> and, and, the, and the pictures that you've sent. I mean, oh. I, can we talk about the basketball? That was, that was great. Oh. <laughs> that Only was because one. it was a good one. Only because I said to you something about, you know, Drake's video and you're like, what video? <laughs> I was like, oh God. Oh, I don't know. You, I still don't know. You haven't seen it. Yeah. It was quite impressive. I, st- um, I should have looked that up. Oh, yeah. I don't, I think they took it down at this point. I'm not sure, but it was, there, there was nothing censored about it. But I was talking to you about, about Drake's, um, footage, literally. And, um, you mentioned that your son was out playing basketball on the driveway. He's yes. at his, he's on his friend's driveway, which is across the street from Drake. Mind you, Drake owns three of the houses in the cul de sac. Because mm-hmm. one's for guests, one's for whatever. He just wanted privacy. Mm-hmm. But but the big one was the big to do, and uh, that's where he was. And and so he walks up to my son Andrew, and a group of like six kids playing basketball on the driveway across the street. And he's like, "You guys like basketball?" And they're like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, and. He's like, you know, I got a great court over at my house. And they were like, yeah, I'm sure you do. And he's like, you guys want to come? And they all went across the street. And then they took, they they asked to take all of their phones. But Andrew somehow was able to keep his. He didn't. They said, you cannot take a picture until the end. And so, mm-hmm. and he allowed the one picture, which, you know, everybody got. So, yeah. um, and you got. <laughs> I have that. I have Matthew Stafford. I have, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure she <laughs> could go through her phone and send me everything. So the kids played basketball with him and my son was wearing his MSU t-shirt. I loved that. I loved that. That was so yeah. cool. Yeah. But it, these things are just normal for you because of where you are. <laughs> it's you know, still pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I mean, and you have a lot of <laughs> musical talent around you and that's just incredible. So when you talk about musical talent, you also have, you shared with me your art collection. And what made me think of it is um, you saying like, I was, you know, just home with being a mom, you seem to be like this great supporter of the community around you. So you've also had art shows at your home with certain artists. And that is so commendable. And it's a beautiful thing because you're bringing people together. And you're also showcasing someone's talent to further their art sales that wouldn't happen otherwise. That's a very cool thing that you did, Leslie. I, I, I think that's, that's very, I appreciate that. I think that's wonderful to have done in your own home. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, it's really my pleasure because I really, I want people to be successful and, yes. you know, that's kind of part of being a mom, but you want to, once I, I started to collect one artist's art and then we became friends then I was able to meet others, some really famous ones. And, and I said, Hey, let's, we can, I can take down all of the art in my house. And, mm-hmm. um, we put up theirs and, and I had a sale and they all made a nice amount of money. Yes. 
<laughs> I mean, that is such a very, very cool thing. So kudos to that. Something that I, I followed for a while and then realized how incredibly thoughtful and cool your husband is, is he has a prop studio, which I want you to talk about. But during, you know, the strike, that whole business is on hold, right? Or, or limited to some degree. And he never stopped paying his employees and received an award for that. And I just think that's incredible. And it just goes to show that you're two peas in a pod because you're very yeah. giving. And I just wanted to commend him for that. So talk about the prop studio, because that's where I'm going to visit Leslie yes. and get a tour. And it's going to be incredibly cool. And she's had <laughs> like everybody from our school already there. I mentioned people and she's like, oh yeah, that's right. They came to see it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm going to be the only one that hasn't seen it yet. But no, <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to that most definitely. But how that came about and grew and um, again, applause to your, your husband. My father-in-law, his name was Lenny, and this was sort of his dream. He was a piano man. And he used to play pianos and tune pianos. And he toured with Mae West and he was her backup player. And he toured with big bands in Chicago. But all the while, he had been collecting antiques. He came to California and he wanted to start a prop house. He married uh, my mother-in-law. And then he would have all of these antiques in his garage. So he made a pamphlet of what he's got. And he would often be called on it for the movie studios to advise on old games, gambling games that they don't play anymore. So one of the movies he did was The Sting, but he did a lot of them. So there was background players and they'd be playing authentic games for that period. Mm -hmm. And when he would go on set, he would show them, here's this pamphlet and this is what I have and this is what I have. And if you'd like to rent these, you know, I rent them. And he always wanted to have a prop house, a place, a warehouse that he could showcase what he's got. Mm -hmm. So the banks would turn him down every time and they would dress my husband up in a tie and his sister in a little dress and they would go to the bank and they'd get turned down every time. And he did wind up buying a piece of land just to keep, and he kept it for a little while and didn't have the money to have a prop house. Well, real estate started to boom and that piece of land had far exceeded what he paid for it. And he finally was able to buy, sell that land and then buy in Burbank a small prop house. I think it was 5,000 square feet. And then it started doing very well. And, uh, you know, he would make friends with the truck drivers who would come from Paramount, from Universal, MGM, all of the studios, and they all knew about him. And then mm. the, the set decorators would start coming. And then they ended up moving out of that place and moving into a 25,000 square foot prop house and keeping the other building. And then when my husband began running it, he bought the building next door and the building behind. So we now have four buildings and it's about a hundred thousand square feet. I mean, that's so just a, incredible. It's, and it's, it's done in vignettes where you'll walk into this area and it's a dry cleaner and you'll walk into this area 
and it's the Bed Bath and Beyond. And you go into this area and it's a department store. And this is a, a hardware store. And then we have all of the antiques, you know, so much of what you saw in Back to the Future, in Titanic, in every movie that you see, if it's filmed- There's in, something, yeah. Oh yeah, we have, and every time we watch TV, that's ours, that's ours, that's ours, that's ours. So, yeah. See, that's why I can't, I can't wait to go. That is incredible. <laughs> and tell me about how many employees he had and how that decision came about. So we didn't, we didn't lay anybody off mm-hmm. during the strike, which was not easy, but we decided, well, Keith decided that, all right, we're going to tighten ship. And what we're going to do is whatever dead weight is not being rented, let's put that up for auction and whatever, let's make these each vignette. You know, we have a whole casino, like an antique casino, you know, mm-hmm. old stuff. Let's, let's pare it down. Let's, you know, tighten it up and make it as beautiful as possible so that if you are a set decorator, you walk mm-hmm. in and you just go like this. You know, we have a, a sports lodge, um, with like the deer heads and the, you know, just, we have all of that area. We have one with a, we have a sports bar. We have a Hawaiian bar. We have just everything you see that when you, and we have like, we have the, the, um, jukebox and the, a bunch of the stuff from Cheers, but they've been on a million other things too. But right. anyway, so we just tightened up and, but by the way, more than 50% of the business went down because we still had business because it was commercials were still filming. Okay. Somehow the SAG uh, did not cross over to the commercials. And, and streaming was, services, were you able to do? No, the what? actors couldn't. There was some, some things that they could do and they couldn't. But okay. yeah, no. If it was a movie, they couldn't, right. you know, because the actors couldn't. But I think that commercial actors were able to do things. Mm-hmm. And corporate party like you know they'll have a premiere of x movie and they'll have a big you know um party for it with a lot of the props that were in the movie that they had filmed you know months ago mm-hmm. so they would bring it to the corporate parties and stuff so we were staying afloat okay so let's talk about how we bonded over our childhood without knowing what the other person was going through and our perception of each other and what you thought. And it's kind of the reason why I love class reunion because I've discovered, hey, everyone had a story for sure. And and how interesting because nobody discussed it. And I also think our coping mechanisms weren't as strong because we a lot of us didn't have, you know, go to therapy or things like that or have the buzzwords or anything like that to help us through it. So we connected about class reunion because I was really interested in your life and the fun part about it and all of the glitz and glamour and the prop house. And then we had this really honest discussion on uh, growing up together in high school. So I thought you were the cutest thing and bubbly and my height. And then, you know, I... <laughs> You said, oh, yeah, I remember you around in your, you know, cheerleading outfit, always being bubbly. And uh, I do think school was my safe haven, even though my mom worked there and we had our own conflicts. She liked being at work because it was her escape, really. And 
and it was mine. And so I thrived at school because it was just a place to laugh and, and connect with people before I had to go home. Let's talk about that. So, you know, you liked my mom, you loved my mom, everybody did. And you've listened to some of the stories for good or for bad. And I'm going to, you know, get into those more in my main single episodes. But the, but the point is what I dealt with with her was really a manifestation of her, her marriage for sure. So the bully was my dad, but you don't know that at the time, you know, you're only having conflict with the one person you're seeing all the time who's critical of you because she's being criticized and it's just this whole trickle down effect. And so I shared with you how, you know, incredibly insecure I was, but did it bother you that you learned about somebody that you thought was, you know, hilarious in the, in the front office? How did you feel about it? Oh, I, I, it, it was surprising to me because mm -hmm. she just seemed all love. She was so, yes, uh, she so was. Loving. Yes. And, and that's how I always, you know, think of her mm -hmm. and, and I thought you guys got along great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because if she was my, my mom, I thought, oh my God, I, I would be besties with her. Yes. Yes. And, and, and all of that is, is, is very, very true. Um, I think the negativity that I received was just, you know, based upon her own. You talked about school as well, which was theater and your parents' divorce and how much taking that away meant to you. So do you want to walk through? I've mentioned you, I think, on the podcast <laughs> many times because I ironically, know. you're just part of my memory bank at Teltwell Mall. And on the corner was this, you know, kind of like this pie-shaped storefront. It was great because it was just right on the corner of everything. And it was Roby Shoes. And I, yeah. you know, everybody got a pair of Roby Shoes at one point or another. <laughs> or you had your, to work there. Yeah. <laughs> or you had to work there. And so same sort of thing. I'm looking at this like, yeah, she gets to pick out whatever shoes she wants. This is the coolest place ever. <laughs> And Never. behind your storefront is some more drama. So you want to walk through what you went through right in the midst of high school and classes that are getting tough in, in how to find your way through your education when you're dealing with all of that. Yeah. Well, my parents had a miserable divorce and mm -hmm. it was a divorce that could have been over with in 1979. Mm -hmm. But then it was reopened because, and, and for right reasons, because they, my parents shared an attorney mm -hmm. and it was going to be a very amicable divorce and they're just going to be friends. They all start out that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, my brother ended up moving in with my father. Now he was three miles away. It was joint custody, but my dad was far more involved in our school, our education, everything like that. So my brother moved away. And then I, my grades went down, down, down. And I was not a good student because it's, it's not that I wasn't a good student. I was there. I was listening, but nothing was penetrating. Mm -hmm. And anyway, my dad said, look, you don't get a B or above. You're never going to do the play. You're not doing the play. You're not allowed to audition. And I will make sure that you don't audition. The point is, is that the theater had nothing to do with my grades. So the fact that he took it away from me was really, it was a painful thing. And I was 
not allowed from my junior year and my senior year. I couldn't be in the show. It hurt me. And it's such a, a piece of who you are. It's It was who I was. And I wasn't allowed to do it. And that hurt me because that was all I had. And high school is such a volatile time anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're very emotional and you're very insecure. And the one place I was secure would be, you know, being on stage and, and performing and singing and whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I, you don't know what choices as a parent, you, you're going to always make mistakes. And that would be the one that I feel like my dad did. Well, and going through that with him at the same time, you're, Families divorce set a precedent in Michigan because it was one of the first times where a business was in play, right? So Roby Shoes was an asset, basically. So they opened uh, my dad's store together in Mm -hmm. 1969. And, you know, that's a combined asset or whatever. But the lawyer didn't, didn't include that in the divorce. Of course, mm-hmm. he was my dad's friend. Mm-hmm. So my mother reopened the divorce case and made history because she won. You know, what she won was a half the store, which he was able to pay her off for that. But because of their divorce and because she won when reopening a divorce case, because of their divorce, you were no longer allowed to share an attorney in the state of Michigan. And that's really important. I mean, you think it's amicable, and I think there are some that are able to do it. But, you know, as time marches on and you really put everything on paper, you're doing something that's not amicable. And to say that it's you're not going to have bumps in the road or that you don't need outside protection is false. You know, I you really do. And I remember even when I was looking for an attorney, I had a hard time getting one. I realized like, you know, I'm glad I got my own, but but what was weird was everyone asked my assets at first. And so we didn't have a pot to piss in. All we were was just two people who wanted to get a divorce who had you know, maybe a 401k that we needed to split. We didn't have anything. And so no one wanted to take it because it wasn't going to be worth their time to write up the the letter. So I ended up getting somebody I liked, but man, he took a chance on me because it was, you know, here's your dollar 50, here's your dollar 50. Now go your ways, you know? And so when you have something like a store, that was important to everyone from that point on in the seventies to recognize that, you know, women who partner with their husbands and, you know, you say, oh, I was a mom at home. That That's a job that you have successfully done that needs to be compensated. Not that you have anything is happening. But, you know, we can't just, you know, leave women or, or vice versa if the role is reversed out to dry just because somebody has the business. It, it's It's not fair. So as hard as that was, Leslie, that's an interesting thing that came out of it for the rest oh, of people. Well, then, then my dad had a massive heart attack. Oh, that's right. During, during. Whoops, whoopsies, I forgot about it. Yeah, that was, you know, a, a little added 
spice to the mix. Um, yeah, he had a heart attack. And then, you know, of course, my mother was blamed for that, you know, just all that. How did you heal having a relationship with both of them later in life? Because let's face it, that was a brutal thing to happen in your years in high school. I lived with my mom. We, we moved to California together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and I was going to school. And, and I hate saying this because it's demeaning and I don't, I don't mean to be demeaning, but our relation, my mom and my relationship was not the greatest because, you know, I think she was, she had some problems with gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always kind of felt like our roles were reversed mm-hmm. and she didn't like me saying that she, you know, and like I would get her into gambling anonymous and I would, you know, uh, you know, there was just a lot of things that I kind of felt like, okay, I've got to step up and take care of her. I had to get her health insurance. I was making $15,000 a year mm-hmm. and I had to pitch in and she was a high risk because she smoked and she had, you know, type two diabetes and, and, and the high cholesterol. So it was my brother and I sort of stepping in and taking care of things behind the scenes for her. But, you know, I stayed close to both of my parents and, you know, I took care of her in her days of need and she ended up having Alzheimer's. And uh, and that's a hard thing to, Mm -hmm. to watch. Yeah. And she passed in 2019. It's, it's, and, and did, did you have any, resolution with her during that time? Or did you let things go? I spoke to a rabbi and he said, cause we were getting towards the end mm-hmm. and he said, you need to tell her you forgive her. Mm. You need to tell her that everything you're going to speak about her is going to be positive, And my memories of you will always be good ones. In my mother's altered state, she was very not conscious. And I said to her, mom, anything that happened between us, we are good. And I want you to know, I hope that you are good with everything that I have been to you. Everything is forgiven. And we're only going to talk about you in the best light. And if you need to go, you can go. And I hadn't in years heard from her a normal sentence because she was always confused and she asleep said, okay. And I know she heard me. I know she heard. That's beautiful. I commend you because I did not do that. <laughs> Like it's well, a beautiful thing. It was and advice. I didn't, I didn't come I up know, with it myself. Uh, I, well, Well, I will share, I will say when my mom got really sick, you know, I was pretty stoic in the beginning because you want, you want to learn about the disease, right? Hers was leukemia, Alzheimer's, you want to, you want to gather as much information as you can. I was in that mode of trying to gather information. And then one day, it was like a month later, and I knew it was terminal. I knew we didn't have time, uh, much time. I came into the house and I just cried, like hysterically. And she said, I was wondering when you were... (laughs) when you were going to have this affect you. Cause I was just, you know, okay, all business went to the doctor's appointments. You know, I hadn't shed a tear and I was losing my mom and I cried like a little girl. 
But I, I remember holding, looking back at her and I didn't do the, you know, the, the statement that you did, because I think we had already come to agreement on all that. But I did say, there is not one word left unspoken between us. That was beautiful in that I know she was leaving without that. Where I envy your ability to do it with your mom in that way, I did not do with my dad. Oh. And I felt like my care for him was my forgiveness, but I don't know that I ever forgave him. So I probably need to see a rabbi, but <laughs> <laughs> this, this Catholic girl needs to change course, but man, I was mad. I'm still angry, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. You're allowed, I, you're allowed to be, you're allowed, to but be. I think releasing it is what it, your rabbi was telling you just release it for everybody involved. So where do you feel? So we talked about you being a mom and everything else. And now that you've had these, these boys in a, in a healthy place in life, what's in store for you? You know, I do this show in my neighborhood. We have a theater in the neighborhood. Of course you do. <laughs> and we do shows and, uh -huh. you know, there's some people who, who, probably wanted to be actors, you know, we're, and then yeah. some people who are super successful people who just like to make, make things fun. And so we do it. So I do the show here. And one of my friends always says to me, it's not over, you know? Well, that's what, what I'm saying. I mean, this is, this is your time to shine. You've always, you've always been shining. It's just, you, you can, it's, it's just the Leslie show at this point. Oh. Until I make a commitment to myself and my friend Carla will say, don't try, do. Right. I have to, I do have to make a commitment and say, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I love that we've reconnected for a lot of reasons, mostly because we talk on the phone and laugh ourselves silly for hours on end, and we just can't put it all in one podcast, but you're just an amazing human being. Oh, and, you. you know, I like that we can openly talk about things in the past. We, we had our stories and they're part of the fabric of, of who we are, but how fun to reconnect at this time in our life and be each other's cheerleader and and see what's see what's next on the horizon for both of us. Absolutely. And I love that you started this because I love seeing where people are at. Yeah, right we have now. such great stories and everyone thinks that they have to have invented something or whatever. It's not that. We just had such a pool of talented people that went on and did some great things and also had stories. So nobody left that youth in the 80s unscathed. I don't think Gen X came out without having some, some trauma. And if you didn't, God bless you. But, you know, um, again, I think that's part of who we are and seeing everybody in school and knowing what we thought of each other and really how everyone felt. is fascinating to amazing? me. Fascinating. Well, thank you, darling, for your time. It was so much fun. And I can't wait to see you on the improv stage and laugh my butt <laughs> off because I know you'll be a hoot. So thank you thank so much. You. I greatly appreciate it. So nice to see you. Hey, friends, if you're enjoying the show, I would truly appreciate your support by taking a moment to leave a review, hit the subscribe button or give a like. It not only boosts morale, but helps others discover my content. 
Your feedback means the world to me, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Thanks for being part of the Class Reunion Podcast family.